Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and today we are once again recapping Game 2 and previewing Game 3 in the Smoothie King Center. But this time, we are joined by editor-in-chief to thebirdrights.com, the man who sees jump balls in his sleep, Mr. Ali Cosell. How are you doing, sir? Good intro. Yeah, I've finally gotten over that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, joining him, a first-time guest, the Pelicans beat writer to NOLA.com, as well as the Times-Picayune, the Colossus of Clout, Mr. Will Gullery. Good morning, sir. Hey, man, I'm just here providing negative clout for anybody. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Distributing cloud to all those who need it. Of course, follow them at Ali Cosell and at Will Gullery. Let's begin with the guest of honor. 13 lead changes, 41 minutes, and almost 21 points on average from each of the Pelicans' five starters. The Pels dominated in the fast break, broke even on the boards pretty much, tightened up defensively, limited Clay Thompson to 20% from the field, played Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday a combined 90 minutes, and it still wasn't enough. Did the Pelicans leave their best performance on the floor on Tuesday night, Will? Yeah, I think they played about as, as good as they could. I mean, obviously, you know, it was a bit of an adjustment for them figuring out, you know, how Steph Curry would affect the series, how good they would look. I mean, I, I, we all heard Steve Curry saying that Steph looked good in practice and he thought he would come back and hit hit his stride immediately. But, man, I, I don't think anybody expected him to look that good coming out and hit his first three immediately as he checked into the game, ended up with 28 points, I believe. I mean, he, he played a great game, and I thought – 
uh, it was kind of scary just seeing, man, uh, you know, when Stephen and KD are playing that well immediately, just to think what they'll look like once Steph gets a rhythm. So I think that'll be an adjustment for him. But uh, overall, I think the biggest thing going into, into this game three is just, man, you got to get something out of somebody other than those top five. So I think they play really well, but I would hope that they're looking, going into this game thinking maybe Darius Miller, one of these other guys that give you something and that can help uh, give you something going into game three. Yeah, I think universally everybody would love for Darius Miller to be a bit more aggressive. You see him take it into the paint and then distribute it to Solomon Hill or Rajon Rondo or at the three-point line when he has a breath of air rather than taking that shot. You still see him passing up the opportunity, so definitely somebody the Pelicans need to to step up. But but Ali, many in New Orleans, including Grubb yesterday on our pod, said that the Pels had to take advantage of Tuesday night's opportunity. Clay was having an off night and still the best the Pelicans could do in the fourth quarter was just nearly tying 98 to 99 with about 750 left before Golden State took an 11-0 run, 27 run, and then the Pelicans got some garbage buckets to make it look a little bit more presentable presentable but you know there's there's the old phrase the series begins when a road team wins and Alvin Gentry even echoed those sentiments post game but do you Ali Cosell believe that the Pelicans can possibly win four of the next five games no uh, no, <laughs> no I, <laughs> Preston but I do think that they can win a couple of these games um coming up um you would hope that they'd be the, the next two because winning in the Oracle just seems unimaginably impossible but you know, as to where, you know, I, I agree with a lot of what you guys said. I listened to that pod just an hour ago, and I agree that the Pelicans had a chance to win. You got to take advantage of your opportunities. But you know what? I don't know how they can play better, especially in that second half where they honestly, I thought, did a lot more across the board defensively, offensively. They scored more buckets from three, fast break point, everything but the free throw line. They did better than Golden State. So it's not like they threw away an opportunity. I don't want people to get that kind of idea. I thought they gave it a good shot. And honestly, you know, let's face it, if the free throw disparity did not exist, the Pelicans might have won that by double digits. Now, Grant, I don't think that would have ever happened. I mean, you know, the Golden State Warriors are definitely more aggressive teams in terms of being able to find the fouls, um, getting the referees those friendly whistles. So for the Pelicans to kind of even have that opportunity, they're going to have to change a lot in the attack. And I agree with what you guys are talking about. The one thing they can do better is try and actually look for the contact. Because honestly, I don't remember in this series yet that – either AD or Drew Holiday are trying to like take it through a through through a warrior and throw down a mean dunk. Now they've had some lobs, like AD's had his typical lobs and they've had some good drives. But like for instance, Drew thrown down over whoever was in Portland. We haven't seen any of that. So that's what you kind of want to see. Well let's go ahead and get yeah. in. Oh sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, I would say the the big thing going in the game three, I would love to see A D have one of those 30, 35-point games. We really haven't seen that yet. Obviously, getting to the free throw line would help uh, add some extra points to his box score. But I think, you know, the big thing for this team, whenever AD, we saw it in the Portland series, whenever AD's throwing out those big dunks, he's hitting jumpers, especially at home, where he, he can really get that home crowd behind him. If he can have a really, one of those 35 and 17 games, I think that could be something that'll lift this team and really give them a great chance and maybe uh, take away that, that effect of like a Draymond Green had, because I think uh, he was unbelievable in those first two games. But if he has to take away some of his focus on defending Rondo and maybe if they say, hey, AD's doing too much, we got to throw Draymond on him, maybe that'll throw off their flow a little bit. So I think uh, getting a big uh, AD game in game three, I think, could help a lot as well. 
Let me follow up on that with you, Will, because I saw in in large portions of game two, Anthony Davis was matched up one-on-one with Draymond Green. But in a lot of other instances, principally whenever you had like Darius Miller, Solomon Hill, and Ian Clark on the floor, you would see sometimes a second and sometimes a third defender clog the paint and try to keep Anthony Davis out of that, you know, eight-foot range within the hoop. And and guys aren't making their shots. Like we mentioned, Solomon Hill's not making his shots. uh, Ian Clark has been really quiet. Darius Miller, just three shots in the game. Ian Clark, two shots in the game. How important is it not only that Anthony Davis kind of dictate the offense and take it to the paint, but then once he gets there, that he's able to kick and find Etwan Moore and Ian Clark, and that these guys contribute a bit more than they did in game two? Yeah, I think there's no question. I think you saw AD was five assists in that game, too. He was trying to get the ball out of his hands and making the correct pass when guys are sending multiple people his way. And not only just the sort of Florida offense, but just the overall points. You need just that, that numbers game. That's that's the way the Warriors beat you so many times is that, you know, they'll be down 12, 15, and you think, you know, that you got a good shot, and then they'll hit three three-pointers, and they're right back in it. So, they love playing that numbers game with that three-point ball, and I think you, you got to really get into that game with them just so you can keep up. So that's where you got to look at guys like Darius Miller, guys like I would love to see uh, Miritich maybe have a bit of a better game. It's, it's really tough on him because they're asking so much on uh, the defensive end. But if they can get maybe three, four, three-pointers three pointers out of him, I think that'll help a lot. But, uh, you know, I think AD's doing a pretty good job. But overall, you want those other guys to hit some shots. And I think another part of that as well is if some of those other guys start playing well, you don't have to ask Drew to play 46 minutes. You don't have to ask, you know, Nico Miritich to play 39 or each one more to play 35 when you're asking so much of those guys. I don't think it's surprising to see maybe they slow down a little bit in the fourth quarter just because they have to do so much on both ends of the floor. They're playing at such a fast pace. I think asking, especially Drew Holiday, to play 46 minutes in that type of game is a lot. And I would think that maybe they would try to get something out of other, some of those other guys so maybe you don't have to uh, need, you don't need him to do so much on both ends of the court and play in that, that many minutes. I think that's a, a bit much to ask anybody. Great. We lost Ali for a second. He's on his way back in until we get him back. Uh, Will, I just want to continue some of that stuff that we were talking about. Anthony Davis, obviously distributing in the bench guys getting going. But one other way that the Pelicans could kind of force the Warriors hand specifically on the defensive end of the floor is by attacking Draymond Green. Now he, he got four fouls in game two, but by attacking him, getting him off the floor, he's kind of the quarterback of the defense. He's the energy, the spark that ignites this Warriors team. Uh, obviously, you know, we've got that famous clip of him yelling in Nikola Meretich's face. We've got the leg sweep and the wrestling tactic moves on Anthony Davis. What's something the Pelicans can do to kind of confuse, befuddle, or maybe get him too early fouls so that the Pelicans don't have to bother with him on the court. Yeah, I think we mentioned it already. It's just uh, Anthony has to be super aggressive. I think uh, he has to go into this game thinking, I got to get 35 for us to win this game. I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind about that. For AD, I mean, uh, for him to get 25, 15, and 5, that's a great stat line for anybody. But I don't think that's just going to be enough to beat this Warriors team, even though you got 22 out of Rondo, 18 out of Meritage. I mean, those are good, good stats for those guys. But uh, this team, you know, it all begins and ends with Anthony Davis. He's the man on this team. He's the MVP. He carries them on a night-to-night basis. So he has to go in with the mindset that he has to dominate this game three just to give this team a shot. And like I said, I, if he's really playing at a high level, he's scoring a bunch of buckets. Steve Kerr is going to have to put Dream on Green on him to slow him down, and I think that's going to change a lot. And in particular, I think that's, that might free up Rondo a little bit because I think the having Draymond Green on him maybe – uh, has changed the way that he's playing a little bit. Obviously, he scored the ball really well. I wouldn't expect him to have another 22-point game anytime in this series. So I think 
just just that'll put them maybe back into their regular flow of their offense when you have a big on AD and a guard on Rondo. That, that'll allow him to, to play the way he usually plays. But having Draymond just kind of freelancing the way he has, I think that's kind of uh, messing up a lot of what they're doing, and that's allowing Draymond to get in those passing lanes, double-team AD, and really mess up a lot of what they're doing. So it all starts with AD, and, and if he has a big game, then I think that's going to ripple down on everybody else. Ali, Steph Curry came in 27 minutes. Would you expect him to come off the bench yet again with Swaggy P in the starting lineup, or do you think it's about time he takes his rightful place with that starting five? Great question, because Steve Kerr has that luxury, doesn't he? When you've got somebody that comes in that looks like he didn't miss a beat, let alone a month, and comes in, drops 28, and got the, the first few shots he nailed in the first quarter just had all of our jaws on the floor. That's just incredible. Guy can miss that much time, get right in the rhythm of, a, of the fastest game on the planet. You know, they were playing at the pace. That was incredible. Few games have even touched that throughout this season. And what's Steve Kerr do? Or excuse me, Stephen Curry just nails every single shot. So I think Steve Kerr, you know, you kind of want to probably look ahead. If I'm the coach, if I'm Kerr, I'd probably throw uh, Curry into the starting lineup because you got to start preparing for, you know, everything past this series, past this game as to where you can't have Curry coming off the bench, you know, against Houston in the finals because, Kerr get crucified. It just doesn't make any sense. So I think sooner or later he's got to do it. So you might as well do it the sooner. Uh, one thing I wanted to add, though, to what Will and you guys were saying when I got my call drop was I think the Pelicans, one of their big um, strategies is to kind of get rid of Draymond Green, kind of limit him, try and get an explosive side of him or something. Because you've seen Rajon Rondo for two games really working it. In the first game, you notice him kind of try and high-five him when he was on a free-throw line. And Dre's walking up to whoever was, you know, staying out there on the uh, – on, on the free throw attempts, to just a high five for making his free throws, but Rondo tried to get his hand in there. And then, uh, and of course, this last game, you saw him get in his face at halftime. You saw him, uh, you know, wipe his head and uh, whatever else was sweaty on his, uh, on his body and hand the ball back to the referee after Draymond had shot a free throw. So he's been trying to get in his head. And, you know, I think that's exactly what you need to do. I think that Rondo learned that from KG that you've got to try and disturb somehow these great players, disturb their focus, have their minds just wander a little bit and get it and get kind of play a game within the game. And hopefully that can deter Green, whether it leads to a technical, whether it leads to a couple of bad fouls, you name it. Because when Green's on the floor, honestly, the Pelicans, I feel like they have no chance. And if you look at the numbers, they support that. Um, when, when Green's on, they've had the most difficult time scoring. That's not a surprise to anybody, but when he's off, um, they they really kind of fall apart. Where defensively, their advanced rating falls or jumps up to all all the way up to 113. Uh, they're averaging what is it about? They're being outscored by the Pelicans by about like five points a game. As to where when Draymond's on, the Warriors are outscoring the Pels by 17. So that's a big big key I think going forward. And I think the Pelicans know that, and we'll continue to see Rondo go after him. But like as to Will's point, that's why you want to see AD keep attacking. Some way, somehow, the Pelicans have got to reduce the impact Draymond Green's making in the series. Otherwise, they could potentially sweep the Pelicans. Yeah, definitely. I definitely think we also assume uh, after that differential of 59 to 20, 27 to 9, 32 to 11 in game one and game two, that's going to swing back towards the mean uh, in some fashion or other, whether it happens in game three or game four, we should see those those numbers back towards the middle and give the Pelicans a little bit more confidence watching the ball go into the hoop from the free throw line. Uh, getting back to the bench, Will, uh, we saw Czech Diallo get a couple of minutes there in game two, and he was pretty effective. He had two nice buckets uh, to go along with two rebounds in his minimal time, just four minutes. 
minutes uh, matched up there with Kevon Looney. And we saw Solomon Hill's minutes dip a bit. They went down to 10. Of course, everybody's giving him a hard time, uh, not just because of his uh, shooting touch or lack thereof, but also because of the 12 an- uh, annual million dollars that he makes per year. Where would you expect those minutes to be distributed? Do you think Alvin Gentry keeps putting Solomon Hill on the floor and just waiting for that shot to fall? Or do you think Czech Diallo gets a bit more run? I don't know about anybody else, man, but I was just enjoying seeing the Solomon Hill fadeaway show. That was great during that second <laughs> quarter, just seeing him go MJ out there, you know, hitting the bottom of the rim on a couple of those fadeaways. I think that's just what they need, a couple of more of those. But I think, I mean, we said we mentioned it earlier, they, they just got to get something out of that bench. I would think Darius Miller will probably get a few more minutes this game. I wouldn't be surprised to see Check get a few more minutes, especially because uh, Steve Kerr loves to play a bunch of those uh, bigs off of the bench like David West and Kevon Looney. Maybe you throw a check out there against those guys so he can run the floor, maybe make David West run the floor a little bit more, get a, get a few transition opportunities for check because that's really where he plays at his best. So I would personally, I would love to see check get a few of those Solomon Hill uh, minutes. I don't want to see any more Solomon Hill jumpers. I see him in my sleep. I don't want to, I don't want to experience that anymore. I think I, I, I think a lot of Pels fans feel the same way and to be honest, I don't really know how much of an effect he can have on this series just because he's really not guarding Kevin Durant that much anyway when he's on the floor. So I don't know what, what, what really, why you really need him out there if he's really just going to be a target on the other end where they're just leaving him wide open for those corner threes every single time. So I would rather have a guy like Check out there where you could say whatever. I mean, Check, he has some up and down moments. He had a, a play in that game too where he goes up for a rebound and tips it out of Anthony's hand and AD just kind of gave him a death stare. And, you know, you have those moments with Check as well, but you also have those moments where he catches it and he goes up and finishes and you need all the points you can get against this Warriors team. So I would think especially in front of this home crowd, you know, everybody loves to see Tech do well in the Smoothie King Center. He throws up that Wakanda sign. He goes to raising the roof, and that gives everybody a little bit of energy. So I think this will be a good game to give him some minutes, maybe give him an opportunity to put a few buckets on the board, and that can give everybody a lift and maybe give some of those starters a little time to rest on the bench. Now, speaking of the Smoothie King Center, I'll start this with Ollie and then I'll throw it over to Will. Uh, obviously, in the first round, you know, having Juvenile out there and having Manny Fresh out there, there was there was a lot of energy in the Smoothie King Center. It kind of brought the city to life in terms of a basketball town. And they have the opportunity to do that again if they can, you know, walk out with game three. What would you expect uh, the city of New Orleans, I guess, and more specifically the Smoothie King Center to do other than these T-shirts, these Do It Bigger T-shirts to get the crowd riled up early on? Uh, they're not going to have to do too much. As we saw I, I, in that first game, uh, game three in the Portland series, the energy in that building was incredible. You could feel it. And as soon as I went up to the Raptors, and, you know, there's still almost an hour to go before the game start, you, you saw fans having a good time. They're already dancing, talking, getting loud. Um, you, you could feel it. And in game four, it lessened a little bit, but I think it was just because, of, you know, we had gotten our first game out of the way. But uh, they're not going to have to do anything, Preston. They're going to, of course, I'm curious what they're going to use for a halftime show. But, you know, they're probably going to hit it out of the ballpark again. I mean, there's no way. How can you take a step back and go back to what you were doing in regular season after having Manny Fresh in uh, the uh, first round series? So, no, I'm not worried about that at all. I think it's also going to uh, come down to the players. You know, they're kind of kind of going to have to come out. And, you know, I have no doubt that they will come out with that energy and effort and kind of sustained, um, I don't want to call it excellence because they're not always excellent, but you know what I'm saying is toward just giving it their best shot, running up and down the court, playing their game. And that alone is going to get the crowd into it, and it's going to be loud. And I expect it's going to honestly, hopefully, be a determining factor. 
Well, I want to I want to go back to something we were talking about a moment ago about Clay Thompson and about the the streaky shooter Steph Curry, of course, getting off uh, early with those early three point shots. He was five of ten from the night. And in terms of what the Warriors do, they've got you know some of the game's best three point shooters in Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry. But something Andy Liu of Warriors World mentioned yesterday is not all three of these guys go off on the same night. Usually, you've got one guy who regresses while the other two step forward. It was Clay Thompson on Tuesday on Friday. It could be Steph Curry. It could be Kevin. Durant do you think the Pelicans defense changes based on who's playing well yeah I think it has especially after the way Steph Curry played I would think they would probably send a few more defenders his way I think they've kind of shown that their strategy is they want to play Kevin Durant as one-on-one as much as possible put Drew Holiday on him a little bit throw throw a Miritich on him sometimes I think they they want to avoid doubling KD especially when he's posting up as much as possible just because you know that that opens up those three-point possibilities for everybody else so I think you know, they they don't mind if Kevin Durant wants to come out and get, you know, 23, 25 shots up. They're fine with that. What they're more worried about is Clay and Steph really getting those open three-point opportunities. So the big thing for them is really just limiting Steph just because, you know, when Steph's hitting those three-pointers, especially, you know, now that he's been out for so long, they, they really get jacked up whenever he starts hitting shots and he can really lift that bench. So I think that's the big thing for them is they would love for Clay to really throw up another 20 shots this game just because, you know, a lot of times his shots aren't really – He's throwing up, other than his, you know, catching shoot three-pointers, most of his shots are really those little runners off of the pin downs. You know, sometimes he's shooting those fadeaways off of the one dribble in. So I think uh, his jumpers aren't, aren't necessarily as efficient as the ones that Steph and Clay, are, I mean, Steph and KD are taking. So if any if any of those guys, I think they would prefer Clay to be the one to really beat them in game three. But, you know, it's tough to say, hey, I want Clay, Clay to, hit, uh, to be the guy to beat me because he's so good and we've seen him really go off. But, I mean, that's just the choice you have to make against this Warriors team. You can't allow – you got to pick your poison. I think that's Joel Draymond said after the game, too. These, when you get this deep in the playoffs, everybody's so good that you got to pick your poison somehow. And that's just the choice that the Pels are going to have to make. Is they're just, they're just going to say, hey, we want to play KD one-on-one, and we want to uh, try to make Clay Thompson be the guy to score 30 on us to win. And if that's the case, then I, maybe they'll have a shot. But if you're allowing Steph Curry to hit those open jumpers the way he was in game two, I don't think they really have much of a shot. Ali, we'll ask one more question, then we'll get to some of our mailbag questions. And that's just specifically about the pace in game two. The Pelicans were running out so fast. I think even they couldn't catch their own feet to to drill a three-point shot in the first quarter, shooting just 38% from the floor. They shot 105 shots on the night up of their average. I think their average is somewhere around 85 during the regular season. So they were they were even going fast by their terms and their pace. And I think part of that was to to take the crowd out of the game, uh, to keep everything going back and forth so quickly that that even the Viewer was exasperated with the play on the floor. Would you expect the Pelicans to come out that fast again? Yes, and they're going to try and play even faster. I think it's part of their game plan, Preston, um, as to where you heard uh, Clay Thompson talk about how he was tired after that first game. Um, after, you know, I mean, he's used to a fast pace. And, and, and in what was it, San Antonio series, they did play a lot slower. But to hear um, Clay Thompson talk about being a little bit tired, I have a feeling that the Pelicans want to kind of take even the Warriors out of their comfort zone because nobody can play that fast all the time, and not even the Warriors. You know, they still like to work the ball for a decent shot, run some offense when the fast break's not there. But as for the Pelicans, I think they want that chaotic environment. So that's why you saw them. I hope that was the reason why you saw them shoot so many, especially in the second quarter, they launched so many three-pointers when, you know, they weren't in any kind of rhythm. And I felt like that's when – Almost a game change, but fortunately the Pelicans were able to stay in it and only be down three at halftime. But, no, Preston, to answer your question, I totally expect that it, this is just a game plan. They just want to run them in the ground. Um, 
you know, first of all, we need those ZZ buckets. Everybody knows that. Gentry's talked about all year long. Points in the paint and getting those easy buckets in transition uh, where Rondo's at his best is a key to this team winning, to them scoring a whole lot of points. And that's what it's going to take to beat Golden State. I've heard so many people talk about, why don't you slow it down a little bit? No, there's no way. We slow it down. That's playing right in the Golden State's hands. And therefore, they're really dictating the pace, and the Pelicans aren't going to score as much. All right, let's get to some questions before we let you go, Will. I know you got to get to practice. This one's from Peter, and it said, should Gentry take a page out of Quinn Snyder's book and give more minutes to a streaky bench guard in hopes that they get hot? And, of course, he's referring to Jordan Crawford and probably referring to him taking some of those early uh, second quarter minutes when you've got guys like Ian Clark and Salomon Hill and Rajon Rondo uh, in the rotation at the same time, just to, just to give somebody who's not afraid to take that three-point shot and has the capability of nailing it. Would you see any minutes going to instant grits? I mean, I, I love Grits just as much as, much as anybody, but, I mean, he, 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 he'll he give you 14 points off the bench quick, but he'll give up 16 on the other end. So I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would love to see Grits get some minutes just for my own personal entertainment just because I think I, I like watching instant Grits play more than anybody else in the league personally. But I, I just think every possession in this game is going to be so important in game three, knowing that if you allow one of these uh, Golden State Warriors guards to get hot, it can result in them getting 30, 35 points. So I think uh, Gentry, he's shown that he, he wants to stick with his guys as much as possible. He wants to stick with his rotation. He doesn't like changing too much. He, if anything, he's going to end up slicing minutes for those guys rather than adding somebody else. So I would say probably not. But for my personal entertainment, I would love to see Grits get 40 minutes, jack up like 30 shots tonight. You know, that would be great. Uh, that would be <laughs> something I'll enjoy watching. I don't know how this game's going to go, but, I mean, I would enjoy it. Ali, uh, this is from Solomon. Will Boogie be at the game? Oh, you have to think he's going to be there. Um, he's going to be there to try and inspire the guys. He's going to be there in the locker room. He's going to be talking the guys up all day, you know, tomorrow. Probably he's already started, you know, since they flew in the, in the town, I'm sure. So he's going to be in their ear, and he's just going to be that supportive voice on the bench. And uh, it's going to be fun. You know, that's what the Pelicans have needed to do all season is kind of stay loose and be fun. Right now they're going to need it more than ever. You got to think they're going to be feeling a little bit of pressure knowing that this is a must game. I mean, for sure. You've got to win this third game. You can't go down 3-0. You can't bring up or conjure up what happened three years ago in the playoffs of a sweep. So that would be really fresh in the minds of uh, Drew, uh, Anthony. So, no, I expect Boogie to be there. He's going to be trying to be a positive influence. And hopefully, hopefully, hopefully it helps. <laughs> Well, this is from Tejeda. He says, even though they're down 2-0, is there anything the Pels have done that has exceeded your expectation? I think one thing I was really uh, I was really happy to see in game two was the fact that Drew just didn't show any hesitation going directly at Kevin Durant. I think uh, that's what threw him off his game a little bit in game one was KD's length. He was a little bit hesitant to really hit some of those shots that he uh, hit against Portland just because you know it's a lot easier going at guys like C.J. McCollum or, or Evan Turner. That's more uh, in, in Drew's comfort zone, but to see him, you know, uh, go, attack the rim without uh, any hesitation, really going around KD's arms. That one play where he kind of broke KD's ankles and hit the shot over him, I think that was really big for Drew's confidence. Just because, you know, it, and we all kind of see Drew uh, as, as you know one of the best guards in this league. He can he can score on anybody, but you know sometimes his, his confidence during games goes up and down, especially on the offensive end. So I think it was really important for him to really show that he can score on Kevin Durant, he can score on Draymond Green, he can score on any of those guys. And he, if he plays with that same level of aggression in the Smoothie King Center, I think that'll help a lot with this offense 
just getting everybody else in the flow that they're used to playing and really kind of getting some of that attention off of AD because we've said it, uh, you know, that they need AD to be aggressive, but I'm sure Golden State knows that as well. So they're going to try to send as many people as, as him as possible. So that's going to open up opportunities for Rondo and Drew to really get to the paint as much as possible. So you got to, you got to think Drew has to be really aggressive looking for his shot and seeing him hit those shots over Kevin Durant. I think it was a, a positive sight for everybody. All right, Ollie, let's get a prediction. They're going to win. I think there's no doubt that, you know, the referees are not going to be a deciding factor. The Pelicans' energy and effort is going to be there. Raised around Rondo, and now we've got Boogie there. They're not going to let these guys slip for just a, sleep for just a minute. And I just want to throw this prediction out here, too. I think Ian Clark's going to have a nice bounce-back game. I've got a feeling Rondo has been probably spending some time with him like he has all year. You know, those guys shoot together in uh, warm-ups and shoot-arounds and such. They're always playing these games. I have a feeling Rondo's going to somehow spark him and Clark coming back home, having fans cheer for him. I think that's going to inspire him because, let's face it, somebody off that bench, we've all been talking about it ever since the playoffs start. Somebody has to step up consistently, and I think they're going to try and get Clark going, and I think he's going to succeed. All right, Will, are you going back to Golden State for Game 5? I, I think so. I, I think uh, I would expect AD and, and Drew to compare for somewhere around 60 points in this game. Uh, in this game, I think they're both going to come out super aggressive. The guy I would look at is maybe Etwan Moore. I think it was good to see him hit a few shots, you know, right there at the end of the game because they're going to need, like we mentioned, they're going to need some three pointers just to play that numbers game against Golden State. So I would think, uh, I would think AD and Drew are going to have a big effect in this game, and I would like to see Etwan Moore maybe hit three, four three pointers in this game and really open up the offense. I just noticed, Ali, that when you came back in, you changed your avatar already. Why did you do that? Because I need to get back here as soon as possible. Scrolling <laughs> down the screen for Rondos didn't work. <laughs> hey, give us your prediction too, Preston. And if you, you know, we we got to get yours too. I just think the momentum of game two and the frustration is going to boil over into the Smoothie King Center. I think the crowd's going to going to be alive. I think anytime Draymond Green touches the ball, everybody's going to come to life. The whistle has to bounce back towards the Pelicans' favor. And I think that's going to be such a such a burst of momentum to these guys. Just sitting at the free throw stripe, watching the ball go in, having that advantage. I think the worst thing that could possibly happen, uh, not, not just for the team, but also for the crowd, would be another free throw disparity like the ones we saw in game one and game two, should the Warriors even... In enjoy an advantage of like 24 to 15 for the stripe that could be crippling for the Pelicans chances. But I honestly expect everything to reverse its fortunes. Everything that we saw in golden state is now going to happen in new Orleans. New Orleans is going to have some kind of advantage at the stripe, like a 27 to 15. I would anticipate because the crowd is just going to be behind these guys so much. Anytime the referees blow the whistle in favor of the warriors, I think the place just explodes. So I think that's definitely going to be a definitive advantage. And for that reason, I think the Pelicans are going to win this game. But with that being said, you guys know that Golden State's going to come out here and they're going to try to put their foot on the throat. Steph Curry's going to play more minutes. You're not going to get 11 minutes out of Swaggy P. Steph, I would anticipate, would be somewhere between 30 and 35. So I don't expect the, the Pelicans to easily walk out of this. If anything, I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I think it's going to be like a one or two possession game. And I think those free throws that we've been lamenting the last two games are going to be the difference in this one, this time, in favor of the Pelicans. I know we got to uh, let Will go, so let's get out of here. Uh, that's all the time we have. Remember, you have been listening to the Bird Calls and if you have an extra moment, please look us up on iTunes. Subscribe and rate us five stars either on your desktop or your Apple podcast app on your mobile device. Thank you to our first-time guest of NOLA.com and Times Picayune, Mr. Will Gullery. He's on his way to practice. Do you have a, a report coming up for us uh, following? Yeah, I'm probably going to have a, at least a couple coming out from practice. Hopefully, 
we we get some good stuff out of the guys. Maybe uh, Coach Gentry would be in a better mood than he was after the game, too, because uh, really didn't get much out of Coach after the game, too. I don't think he wanted to talk to us. So uh, hopefully those guys will be in a better mood, and I'll definitely have a few stories up there on NOLA.com. Go ahead and check me out. All right. Appreciate it, sir. Great work as always. Ali, anything you're working on? No, I'm with Will. I'm looking forward to see what Alvin's got to say because he's right. God, that was a very quick press conference. But you know what, Will? You know what's going to get him going? Probably seeing Fletcher there. He's going to get a little hug. <laughs> yeah, man. Good times. Just get that hug in. You know, just get the <laughs> all around. You know, that's what we need. Exactly. That, Thinking that was, Will. <laughs> this is a love fest whenever those two guys are in the same building, man. It's just, you know, it's, it's, like, it's just like you say, you need some hearts. You need some, some good music. And it's just, it's just good feelings all around. So that, I think that, that'll be the thing to really turn this thing around. All right. <laughs> We'll see if Lady Momentum shifts her gaze to the Pelicans uh, uh, during Game 3 and potentially Game 4. For now, I'm Preston Ellis. Let's go, Pels. Hope you've enjoyed listening to the bird calls on OTG and nothing but net here on Dash Radio. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.